Well, hey, Treasuring Christ Church. I'm Dwayne Milioni, lead pastor at Open Door, your sending church. And it's a real honor for me to do your Bible lesson today. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Hope you're doing well. We pray for you often here at Open Door. And uh, I especially pray for you because I was raised in Michigan. And I have so many fond memories of uh, that great state. I also have some uh, challenging memories, especially in light of these days, some of the difficulties that we're facing. I grew up in Michigan uh, in the 70s where there was so much tension and um, I can remember vividly uh, riots and protests and the civil rights movement. And I think uh, so much good has come out of that. Uh, but those were difficult days and we're experiencing difficult days today as well. I do trust that there will be some really important things that come out of this, but for the church, we've got some challenges ahead of us. Whenever there is tension and division and anger and a sense of injustice, it's necessary for the church to respond biblically and respond according to the gospel or just simply respond like our great King Jesus. Which leads me to our passage today in 2 Samuel chapter 9, because it is here in the midst of the Old Testament where we see Jesus Christ as our compassionate King. And we see that through one of my favorite stories that's recorded in the life of King David. You know, wherever you're at in the Bible, our goal is to find Christ and his plan for our redemption. And it is so clear in the life of David that we see a foreshadowing of our great king. Now, let me fill in the backstory just a bit in order for us to understand this story. So, uh, King David, uh, before he was anointed, was that simple shepherd boy. The one, by the way, who believed in God enough and trusted in God's promise for Israel enough that he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with that giant Goliath and won that great victory. But here's the interesting thing. When, when David slew Goliath, his heart was knitted to King Saul, the, the current king of Israel at that time. And they became fast friends. As a matter of fact, Saul sort of adopted David into his family and David became best of friends with a, a young man named Jonathan. And the, the, the friendship between David and Jonathan is, it was so intimate and important that it really carries a, a theme throughout the scriptures. Well, um, David grew up and he became Saul's greatest soldier, warrior. Uh, many battles were won uh, by the way of David and his hand uh, selected mighty men. But there was an incident uh, as David was returning home from defeating the Philistines where the women of uh, Israel began to sing a song about David rather than Saul. As a matter of fact, they, the, the song was Saul slew his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And immediately the heart of King Saul became jealous. 
I mean, jealousy, I know you've tasted this bitter fruit, I have, and, and it can really turn your heart against someone that you formerly had a friendship with or a relationship with, and it so easily blinds a person's heart. Well, jealousy blinded the heart of King Saul, and uh, he, rather than uh, sort of seeing David as his son, David became his enemy. And David literally had to flee for his life. David, the shepherd boy who defeated Goliath, David, the, grand, the great warrior of Israel, became Saul's enemy. And David became a refugee. He literally had to flee for his life. And many of the Psalms were written as David was uh, fleeing from Saul's bitter wrath. And yet, at the same time, David continued to serve the Lord. He continued to trust the Lord. And as a matter of fact, he continued to honor King Saul. The, the, the one who had become his enemy, David gave him nothing but honor and, and uh, compassion. There was a couple of incidences where, you know, David having uh, to flee from King Saul actually was in a position where he could have killed the king but not returning evil for evil, but always returning evil for good, David spared Saul's life as an act of Christ-like compassion. But you know, here's the interesting thing. King David had an experience of what it meant for someone that he formerly loved to hate him. King David had an experience of, of what it was like to be a refugee, what it was like to not to have a home, what it was like to, to not enjoy freedoms. And, and, and really, there's a, a sub-theme here that as Christians we should be considerate about. We have many people who move into our country often fearful, often unsure. Uh, how will I be treated? How will, will uh, people receive me? And we, we need to receive them just as Christ received us, Romans 15 and verse 7. We need to be the ones to show gospel compassion to any refugee, to, to anyone who has been opposed, to, to anyone who might just sort of normally think that uh, they may not be received by us, but considered a foe or even an enemy. Unfortunately, these days, there are groups of people who have set themselves up as enemies of one another. Even though we are all made in God's image and, and we are all deserving of love and, and, and we are losing the sense of what it means to, to love our neighbor, I want you to know that King David and Christ himself have, have felt that sense of what it means to live as a refugee, to live outside of the, the freedom and the compassion that people ought to show one another. Well, 1 Samuel ends as David had to find shelter and solace amongst the Philistines, the enemies of God's people, where David then decided, well, I guess since I'm living amongst the Philistines, I'll, I'll have to battle with them. And now David became the grand warrior of, of the Philistines. And 1 Samuel ends actually with the army of the Philistines battling King Saul's army, but David was not there. And King Saul died, but not only Saul died in that battle, his son Jonathan, David's dear friend, 
Now, here again is an important backstory. When the news got back to the family, the household of King Saul, that the king was dead and Jonathan was dead, they now all began to fear King David because they all knew that, that David had been the one who was anointed to be the king over Israel. And in a, a, a moment of panic, they all began to flee Saul's household. And there was a housemaid who grabbed up Jonathan's baby, just a young infant, and, and in trying to rush out of the house to flee for safety, she actually fell over, tripped, and fell upon this young child and crippled the boy's legs. Now that's gonna be really important as we understand the rest of the story. So now, 2 Samuel begins as David hears the news of Saul's death and Jonathan's death, and, and he doesn't celebrate that. He actually mourns over the king, and he mourns over his dear friend. And, and, and then, unfortunately, there was one of Saul's military commanders who decided that Saul's son, his name was Ishbosheth, should be anointed the king over Israel rather than David. And, and there was in the first several chapters of 2 Samuel a civil war that breaks out. Again, these are cousins fighting against cousins, clans fighting against clans within the nation. It was a horrendous civil battle. And eventually David and his mighty men and his army began to defeat the army of Ishbosheth. And um, as the battles were ensuing and as David was winning, some renegade soldiers actually snuck into Ishbosheth's house and murdered him. And they brought the head of Saul's son to David, thinking that David would praise them and honor them. But, but instead, David put them to death because he believed that what they did was a violation of God's covenant law. His loyal love really is one of the key characteristics that makes David a man after God's own heart. Regardless of what Saul did continually to David, he had committed his loyal love to Saul and his family. And he was faithful that to the end. That's why David is such a beautiful symbol and foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Because once Christ has committed his loyal love to those that belong to him, he never, ever forsakes that. And how, how grateful we are for that. One of David's songs, Psalm 36 and 7, reminds us of this precious loyal love. The, the Old Testament calls it the loving kindness of God. How precious is your loving kindness, O God, and, and the children of men who take refuge in the shadow of your wings. David knew that personally. There are many times where he had to take refuge in the caves and the mountains outside of Israel, knowing that he could only trust himself and his life to his Lord who would show loving kindness to him. And now, now that David was in charge, he wanted to show the same type of loving kindness, covenant love to others. Well, in 2 Samuel now, in chapters 5 
through seven. David is anointed king over all of Israel. And at this point in time, uh, we really do see what I would consider the golden era of Israel. There, there was never a period since, even to this day, where the nation of Israel experienced such peace and such prosperity. King David reigned first in Hebron, and, and there he was anointed king. And then, of course, he moved his, his throne to, to Jerusalem, the city of Zion, which from that point on also became called the city of David, even to this day. Of course, the Ark of the Covenant was brought in and, and the people began to worship their one true God. And, and David wanted to, to build the Lord a grand temple, but of course he had too much blood on his hands and so he had to wait. But David at least, he, he at least accumulated just a tremendous amount of wealth and possessions in order for the temple to be built. And, and it was then that the Lord renewed his covenant promise to King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 16, the Lord said to David, Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. That, that was a clear promise that the household of David would last on and on, that the kingdom of David would continue. And of course, we know that the only way for David's kingdom to be eternal and forever would, there, would, would be for there to be eventually an eternal king, an everlasting king and kingdom. And of course, again, that is foreshadowing Jesus Christ. Well, in 2 Samuel chapter 8, David had conquered all the nations that surrounded Israel. Hundreds of thousands of, of the enemy's soldiers had been slain in the battlefields. And the Bible says, so David reigned over all of Israel, 2 Samuel 8 and verse 15, and listen to this. And King David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. We have this sort of saying that's uh, ground into the foundation of our nation, justice for all. Well, guess where our founders got that? Straight from the scriptures, it was King David who had the, the covenant loyalty of God himself that he had expressed time and time again upon his nation. And now here's David administering justice and righteousness for all people. You know, that really needs to begin in our nation from the church outward. Let's from the church, the local church, Let's make sure we are administering justice and righteousness to everyone in our church families and then even those in our community. And may that spread by God's help. All right, now let's get to 2 Samuel chapter 9 because it is here where we see Christ so clearly. We see not just the just nature of Jesus Christ, our King, but we see that Christ our King is compassionate and, and expresses loving kindness. David's loyal compassion is a reminder of what Christ does for us. All right, so now in chapter nine, again, David finally had a moment to, to rest. He had a moment of 
peace. But there was one last remaining affair that had not been dealt with. And that was to secure anyone who remained of King Saul's family and to uh, help them. So David asked, chapter 9, verse 1, follow along with me now. Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. So before David could finally just sort of rest as king over his kingdom, there was this matter he had to settle. It was a matter of, an, of a promise that he had made to Jonathan, the son of Saul. David had pledged his loyalty and support to Jonathan. And even though King Saul and Jonathan both had died years ago, David's covenant faithfulness still remained. And so in asking, is there anyone that remains of Jonathan's household, they found a servant named Ziba who would know. In verse 3, the king asked Ziba, is there anyone still alive from the house of Saul whom I can show God's kindness? Now that is very important. Again, if you look closely at the end of verse 3, David wanted to show not just kindness, he wanted to show God's kindness. The Hebrew word there is a simple word, chesed. In, in matter of fact, in the New Testament, the, the closest term or concept that we can come up with is the term grace. You know, receiving what a person doesn't deserve, uh, showing love and compassion and kindness when it isn't warranted. That, that is God's loving kindness, and it is found throughout the Old Testament, and of, of course in the New as well. And David is saying, I just don't want to show him kindness. I want to show him God's kind of kindness. And Ziba answered the king, he said, well, actually, King David, yes, there is still a son of Jonathan, but he's crippled. He is lame in both of his feet. Now, that brings us back earlier. When that nursemaid had grabbed Jonathan's little baby boy and rushed out of the house fleeing what she believed for her life, she didn't have to, but she was terrified, and she stumbled and she, she fell on the baby, crushing his feet. That boy grew up to be a man, and he always had crippled feet. And, and it was going to be to this crippled that, that David was going to show the loving kindness of God. And Ziba said, he's living at the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. As a matter of fact, Lodabar would be across the Jordan River, east of Jordan, as far as you can be from David's throne. Sort of a, a place where a refugee would live, someone who would hide away, snuck away in an unknown place, far from King David. And uh, David asked Ziba, where can I find him? And David, David uh, um, uh, hears where he is. And, and this man's name was Mephibosheth. And that name literally means 
the one who bears shame. He had lived his entire life as an outcast and a refugee, both because he was crippled and because he bare, he bore the name of Jonathan's family. So King David, verse 5, had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bows down to him to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Now, I can only imagine what's going through Mephibosheth's mind at this point. He must have been thinking, well... I'm finally caught. The gig is finally up. I've been trying to hide away my entire life, but I knew one day David would find me and he would make me pay for my grandfather's sins. He would make me pay for my, for my, uh, uh, my uncle Ishbosheth's sins against David. I, I know that I'm going to now suffer. This will cost me my life. And so when he was brought before David, this crippled man did everything he could to bow down before the king. These two had never met. And, and now here is their meeting. And as this crippled man bows low before King David, this was David's response. Not, I finally have you now. Not, I'm finally going to clean out the house of Saul and Ishbosheth and Jonathan from my presence. No, David says, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you the kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And I love this last part. This is where you really know that you have taken in and shown the loving kindness of God to someone who is a foreigner or a refugee or someone who's not like you or someone who's been formerly an enemy. David says, not only will I show you kindness, you will always eat at my table. The true essence of hospitality is the love for a stranger, the love for a refugee, the love for the outcasts, and David is now going to show that. No longer would Mephibosheth remain a refugee. No longer would, would he remain an outcast. And David would not force him into slavery. No, rather, David's covenant loyalty to Jonathan would now be expressed through the entirety of Mephibosheth's life. He would now be considered a part of the family of the king. Isn't that a beautiful display of the covenant? We who were enemies of God are drawn near to God through the blood of Christ and in our covenant relationship, we now are able to sit at the king's table. Well, in verse eight, Mephibosheth bows down and he says, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? I mean, he understood the parameters. He knew his blood lineage. He knew what his, his uh, grandfather had done to David. And now he is simply saying, why, David? Why would you show a dog like me loving kindness? And here's the, the irony. It was actually David who used that same language to King Saul many years ago when, when Saul was, was trying to hunt him down to kill him. 
And David at times would shout out across the valley to the king, Why, king? Why would you consider me worthwhile of, uh, of, of uh, coming after me, to, to kill me? David said once to Saul against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog like me, a mere flea. And now David sits in the power of authority like King Saul once did. And Mephibosheth simply says the same thing to him. Why? Why would you be so compassionate over some as lowly as me? He understood where he came from. He understood that he had lived a life as a cripple. Uh, one of the ministries we have here at Open Door Church, we call it our lean ministry. And, and I'm so looking forward to our church being able to gather again uh, in, in our facilities because Every week we have children who either are physically uh, uh, handicapped or, or mentally challenged or in any way challenged to the point where they're often looked down upon and mistreated by others. And we have the opportunity every week to just love those children and come alongside them and, and not just share the gospel, but to be the gospel to those precious children. And in many ways, all we're doing is simply showing God's loving kindness, the same loving kindness that, that He showed with us. And as a part of the church, this is what we do. We actually look for those that the world is despising. And those are the ones, the least of these, that we show God's love to. You see, David was able to look through Mephibosheth's physical limitations. He saw through. This is really important. David was able to look through the tension that had been created between Saul's people and David's. David was able to look through the tension between Saul's tribe and David's. And, and friends, these are days where as Christians, we must be able to look through the tension. That's what gospel-minded people do. We see the tension, but we look through the tension. And we apply the gospel to everyone. And this is why David was considered a man after God's own heart. Yet David sinned. We all do. David struggled. We all do. But it is here, it is in these incidences why God declares this man to be like him. It was because of his heart. Well, the king summons Ziba. This is a beautiful ending to the narrative. Saul Stuart, and he said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and to his family. And, and now you just simply are to serve him. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and, and bring in his crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, yes, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of his own sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son himself named uh, Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. 
he was the one who was lame in both feet. And David, he redeems the lineage of Saul. And this is amazing. Even though Saul became his enemy and tried to kill him, David, in the end, provides redemption to Saul's lineage. That's exactly what the story of the Bible is about. It's about God making a way to provide redemption to people who formerly were enemies of God. And here we see it in the story of David and Mephibosheth. David, the compassionate king. David seeing through the, the tension, through the physical limitations of Mephibosheth. David forgiving Saul for his sins. And just as David was the compassionate king, so is Jesus Christ. But even greater than David, Christ came to, to provide forgiveness through his shed blood on the cross for everyone who would have sinned against him, who once were enemies of God. It is while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And it is Jesus Christ who wants to grant to us God's loving kindness, God's grace. It's not something that we deserve. But the grace of God is so rich and so free that in believing in Jesus Christ, our compassionate King, the promise is made. We'll sit at His table. Every time the church gathers and, and enjoys the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder that one day, one day, as Jesus said, He'll eat the supper with us. One day, church, we will sit at our King's table. Now, like David, but most importantly, like Jesus Christ, it is imperative, especially during these difficult days, that we give gospel compassion to everyone. Don't make the divisions of people who are in favor of this or not in favor of that or in favor of one political party or, or not in favor of another or, or obviously uh, people who, who have uh, a different cultural background than us. The church must display gospel compassion to everyone. And we need to speak out on behalf of those who have limitations. For the Mephibosheths in our culture, we must be the ones who not only display gospel compassion, but also to speak out in their favor. Let's make sure that the loving kindness of God and the compassion of Christ is shown to every Mephibosheth that we encounter. And there are Mephibosheths everywhere. You just have to look. Let's speak out for the pre-born child who cannot speak for himself. Let's reach out to every handicapped person who, who, who often is shunned by society. Let's be willing to lay down our rights and privileges and take up the needs of those who are less fortunate than ourselves. Let's let kindness and gospel compassion rule our lives and rule the church. Ephesians 4 and 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven us. Jesus Christ is our just king, but he is also our compassionate king. And his gospel compassion should be ours 
especially during these days. Hey, Treasuring Christ Church, it's been a real honor for me to be your Bible teacher this Sunday. Again, no, we're praying for you. We're with you in this battle. And uh, any way we can encourage you, uh, you let us know. God bless.